host, Danny Hardy, and I'm honored that you're tuning in today. I pray that today's episode reveals something new to you about God's presence in our grief as we talk through this difficult subject of infertility, pregnancy loss, and the journey of healing. God has poured a lot into this season for me, and so this topic will actually be divided into two parts. Part one, which is today's episode, will be a look at my journey of infertility, and part two, in a couple of weeks, will be an intimate look at my experience with pregnancy loss. And friends, it's my sincere hope that no matter our circumstances, that we find the space and the peace to say, it is well, because we can find ourselves fully surrendered to a loving and kind God. If you're a fan of this podcast and believe in its content, will you do me a favor? It won't take long, but it would mean so much to me for you to write a review, leave a rating, and share this episode, this podcast, with a friend on your social media account. Y'all, I believe in this content because God is leading it and pouring it into my heart, and I would just appreciate your help getting it into the hands of those that you love. And especially this episode, which will be divided into two parts. And I just know that there's someone that you know, someone that you love, who needs to hear this. A special thanks to my prayer warrior friends who have covered this episode in their prayers. I am so incredibly grateful for your partnership. So friends, I hope that you are enjoying your summer and staying cool wherever you are. Um, Because down here in Arkansas, it's hot. Um, there's just no other way to say it. Uh, we've had a, this little, a little break from the dog days of summer, and we've enjoyed some 80-degree weather that was more so last week than this week. But um, it's been nice, especially considering that we had um, a little vacation to Colorado last month, and the weather there was heavenly. I mean, it was just divine. Um, but our trip to Colorado was just perfectly timed, and it was what we we needed as a family Um, just full of adventure and time to be together. We spent a lot of time outside hiking and paddleboarding and chasing waterfalls and hiking some more. Um, It was a ton of fun and being in nature was really good for my soul. So I'm super thankful for that time. Um, But one quick funny story, y'all, because I just have to tell you um, before we dig into today's content, because we all need a little laugh and this is good. Um, We were visiting the paint mines of El Paso County in Colorado, which are gorgeous. And if you ever get the chance to visit them, you totally should. Um, But we were there at the paint mines and y'all, we were legitimately attacked by gnats. (laughs) Like, It was crazy. So, I mean, I know that there's gnats everywhere, but we were literally being swarmed. Um, We were hiking up a hill on our way to the mines. And at first, you know, I saw a couple and I swatted them away from my face. And then I swatted a few off of my arm. And then I hear Dusty say, "Uh, hey, Danny, you need to shake your bun. <laughs> now, mind you, he's talking about m- my messy bun, <laughs> not my buns. <laughs> but he sounded a little bit panicked, so I quickly started to shake my hair. And y'all, literally a hundred 
I don't know, maybe 200 gnats flew out of my hair. What? Out of my hair, y'all. I mean, seriously, it was a little bit horrific. Um, but we were surrounded. They were everywhere. And I know we probably looked possessed to the people who were coming up the hill because all they can see is us. They can't see the itty bitty gnats that are attacking us. <laughs> oh, it was such a mess. But eventually we decided to start running which I'm sure is actually pretty funny. Um, and apparently gnats are slow because we were able to outrun them. <laughs> oh, but it was it was a lot of fun. But for a minute there, those gnats were a major deterrent. And at one point, we even asked a gentleman who was walking towards us um, if the gnats were that bad the whole way down because we were seriously considering changing our plans. And he assured us that it got better, so we continued on. But... We had to push through the little gnat fiasco, and when we did, we found ourselves standing in awe of some amazingly beautiful colors and structures once we reached the paint mines. We were incredibly thankful that we pushed beyond our circumstances to enjoy the beauty we set out to discover that day. And y'all, I intended this story to just be a little lighthearted moment on this potentially emotional episode, but really, it's the perfect transition. Grief, infertility, and pregnancy loss are major events in our lives. They are events that have the power to alter our course. And so we have to choose to journey beyond the events, beyond the moments, in order to more fully discover the beauty of God right in the midst of our pain. And this is how we receive His healing. And that's why today is called Healing Well. We have to learn to move beyond our circumstances to more fully experience Him. And so today I'm just simply sharing part of my story, part of my experience with infertility. I'm going to share with you what God has done in, in me during my season of infertility and what He has taught me about who He is. And I'll be sharing a very intimate look at pregnancy loss on part two of this episode in a couple of weeks, and I hope that you'll tune back in for that and or share it with a friend who needs to hear it. And as we get started, I want to be very clear about a few things. I am not a doctor, and I will not even pretend to offer you medical advice. I can barely remove a splinter, okay? Um, I'm not an expert on this subject, and I will not pretend to know all of the answers. I'm human, and I will not communicate all of the facts or even the theologies perfectly, but I will share. And I'm still being healed and being made whole. And I'll be honest and candid here as I share my story and my opinions and my journey. I hope that it enlightens something in you and allows God to do something unique in your life. My heart is to be respectful of you and your story. And I pray that you might even share it with me through social media. I'll be direct and straightforward while still offering our hearts the tenderness that this topic requires. And friends. I pray, I pray with all that I am, that God will leverage my vulnerability to accomplish what only He can. So this is my story, and I've committed all of it to Him for His glory. So here goes <laughs> my story of infertility and my journey towards healing. I was 19 when Dusty and I got married, and we were nowhere close to ready for a baby. Um, we were both in school working and, you know, we thought we had plenty of time in the future to have a baby. And so we 
we're just enjoying the early years of our marriage. And then after graduating from college and moving to Alabama a few years into marriage, we decided that we would stop trying to prevent pregnancy. So we maintained an active sex life and did not utilize any form of birth control. My health wasn't great at the time, and I was in and out of doctor's offices with things like chronic migraines and chronic pain, fatigue, weight gain, imbalanced thyroid, and the list goes on. I mean, we could talk about that for days. Um, but, you know, we were busy people. Uh, I was active in my community. I was an educator. Um, we, I was a worship leader at my church alongside Dusty. And we had a blossoming social life. You know, we were in our 20s and we were living it up. Um, I was 24. And our general conversation about babies was that we would excitedly welcome a baby when we got pregnant. But that we weren't trying to force it to happen, you know. Um, our families had no history of infertility, no experience with infertility at all. We were young and enjoying our marriage and the freedom of our 20s. Um, but then after a few years of unprotected sex with no missed periods, we began to wonder, you know, what was going on while we weren't getting pregnant. And so by this time, I'd been diagnosed with a few conditions involving my heart and my hormones and my spine and my immune system. And it was a lot, you know, we were realizing that my body was sort of a wreck. Um, I, I began to ask a lot of questions of my OBGYN and ask about pregnancy and why we weren't conceiving despite our active sex life and no birth control. And we weren't met with a ton of answers. You know, we ran some blood work, we had an ultrasound, and we reviewed my medical records. And I'll never forget um, when my doctor looked at me with that kind yet very direct look in her eyes, and she said, Well, Danny, at this point, I think that even if you get pregnant, you'll never be able to carry a baby to full term. And she then explained the risk of my underlying health conditions and the many reasons why my body, in her opinion, would be unable to carry a baby to full term. And the thing I remember most about that moment was how slowly time seemed to move. I remember the sick feeling that fell into the pit of my stomach and how the air slowly seemed to escape my lungs. <laughs> it felt like the entire world was moving in slow motion and my world had certainly just hit the floor. I didn't really know what to do with that information that I had been given, and we didn't have a lot of answers, just that my body probably wouldn't be able to carry a baby to full term. And so I shared it with Dusty, but beyond that, we pretty much kept it to ourselves. No one we knew was dealing with these issues, and so it felt like something we were supposed to deal with alone, by ourselves. A lot of our friends were having babies left and right, and with each social media post about a pregnancy or an invitation to a baby shower or a friend giving birth, my heart sank a bit, a little bit more every time. And y'all, at my core, I am a champion of people. Um, I love people. And in that season, it was incredibly hard to champion beautifully pregnant women when I so longed to be among them. But God is kind and gracious and always gave me what I needed to keep representing Him with love. He gave me grace upon grace over and over again to celebrate my friends and their new babies. <laughs> he gave me the courage to answer the innocent questions of friends and family who would ask, 
so when are you and Dusty going to start having kids? And our standard answer of, oh, you know, we're just not in a hurry. We're just enjoying our marriage. They just didn't know all that we were struggling with silently. God gave me kindness and love to share with people who were living out the days of pregnant bellies and newborns and milestones and growing families when I longed for it with a deep aching in my bones. He always gave me exactly what I needed to love others in His name because I certainly did not possess it solely within myself. I was hurting and I was yearning and He was with me. God was the foundation upon which I set myself every single day, especially when the ground beneath me seemed to shake with pain. (laughs) He was my ever-present help in time of need. He was my solid rock, my strong tower, and my closest friend. He is the place that I confided every tear because he was the only one that I knew was unchanging. He was constant. My infertility impacted my husband because he loves me and he longed for a family too. It impacted our parents. It impacted our closest friends. I felt the weight of the world on my shoulders and resting in the shelter of the Most High was the only place I felt safe from the vulnerability that was weighing me down. We continued an active and healthy sex life and we continued never missing a period. Our infertility rocked on for the first 11 years of our marriage, and it was a long 11 years, and we cried a lot of tears, (laughs) more tears than I can recount, and asked a lot of loud questions of God. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't exactly say that I was yelling at God, but you know, yeah, (laughs) I was yelling at God, (laughs) and I know that he heard every word. And I know he sat with me in the midst of every tear that fell and even the ones that wouldn't form because the brokenness was so severe. So here's a quick synopsis for you, just so you have a a big picture of this season of our life. In 2014, which was our ninth year of marriage, doing the math there real quick, our ninth year of marriage, we lost our first baby at six weeks and I was 29. In 2016, at the age of 30, We finally held our angel of a child in our arms after 11 years of trying. And she is currently a very healthy and very busy little girl. Um, In 2017, we lost our second baby. I was 31. In 2018, we finally discovered the answer behind my infertility, which I'll share with you in a minute. I was 32. And this year, in 2020, we lost our third baby. I'm 34. Friends, I want you to hear hear me. I've carried four babies in my womb and in my heart, but only one ever made it into my arms. And I can still say that God is good. And I can still believe that God is for me. And so I will say to you that God is good. And God is for you, and our circumstances never define his character. He is good. He is constant. He is unchanging. He is faithful, and he is true. The loss that we've faced is a deep hurt, and many women, maybe even many of you listening, know it all too well. 
And if that's you and you've experienced pregnancy loss, I want you to tune into part two of this topic in a couple of weeks. I'm going to talk intimately about the trauma and pain and journey of miscarriage. So during the synopsis, I told you I would share about 2018, the year that we found some answers. Um, We'd been married for 13 years, and we finally understood why we had at that point in time lost two babies. We had just moved to Arkansas with our then two-year-old daughter, and we were adapting to a new and beautiful life here. Our daughter has great imagination, and she was constantly playing sister, as she calls it. She would wander all around the house playing with her invisible brother and sister, having tea parties and pushing them on the swings. And let me tell you that for a mama who's lost two babies, that will wreck a heart. (laughs) Dusty and I once again began to discuss the option of pursuing another child. A sibling for our miracle girl that doctors believed we would never even be able to carry to full term. So I found a new OBGYN in Little Rock through the recommendations of some friends. And, you know, I went in, had a routine checkup, reviewed my mammogram, which we'll have to talk about that later. But side note, if you're over 40 and have never had a mammogram, get one scheduled. Um, Anyway, so routine checkup, mammogram, and the dreaded infertility consultation. We drew some blood, we ran some tests, did some ultrasounds. You know the story. I wasn't all that hopeful that we'd figure anything out because we hadn't really learned much in the years prior. But this time, when the results came back, we had some answers. It turns out that I have what my incredibly kind, tender, and Jesus-loving doctor called low-quantity and low-quality eggs. I mean, if that doesn't make you want to run and hide when you're trying to have a baby, I just don't know what will. Um, My AMH levels were low, really low, and our doctor gave us the news that our best and really only option to have another baby was through IVF, in vitro fertilization. And once again, my heart sank. Um, Tears formed in the corners of my eyes, and my stomach felt like it was full of rocks. IVF was the one thing we were praying not to hear that day because it was the one thing that in our prayer time God revealed to us was a no for our family. Now let me be clear here, friends. We have good friends who have journeyed down the road of IVF and now they have beautiful, healthy children because of it. And we love them and we are so super thankful for their journey. But IVF was not the journey for us. We had spent a lot of time in prayer over the course of 13 years of marriage and ministry. And leading up to that fertility consultation, we were highly considering a lot of options. Medications, hormone treatments, and other procedures that might improve our chances. But IVF was the one thing that we knew clearly that God had taken off the table for us, for our family. And then, that was the one And really only thing our doctor mentioned as a means by which to have another child. And we were devastated. We left the doctor's office that day and pulled into the parking lot of a Mexican restaurant (laughs) so that I could soak my sorrow in some cheese dip and a margarita, like super healthy, I know. Um, And sitting in that parking lot with tear-stained cheeks, I just surrendered everything I had over to God. Every dream 
every imagination, every hope, every childhood longing to be a mama of a house full of kids, every plan. And I said to God and to Dusty, it's okay. We'll just keep chasing Jesus. And if we get a baby along the way, we'll know it'll be because of him alone. So on that day, before cheese dip and margaritas, don't judge me, (laughs) we decided to stop chasing a baby and just keep chasing Jesus. It was one of the hardest days of my life. And even saying it out loud puts me right back in the front seat of that car. We shared the news with family and friends and we cried a lot. (laughs) Um, We shared our decision with them and we were met with a lot of questions. We shared our hearts with them and we found solace in each other and the knowing that God had placed in our souls. We felt peace even though everything else felt chaotic. We had peace in our decision because it wasn't a peace we discovered or a peace that we earned. It was a peace that we asked for and that God provided. It was a peace that came when I laid down everything I had planned, everything I had imagined, and everything I had hoped for. It was a peace that came when I finally handed over all of me and traded it for whatever he had in store. Everything changed for me that day in the parking lot of a Mexican restaurant (laughs) because I realized that if my hope was placed in a pregnancy or in a growing family or in a baby, that my hope was misplaced. I remembered that day that Jesus is the only one who could ever truly hold my hope in the way that my fragile humanity requires. I remembered that day that everything else in life is fleeting, that life itself is fleeting that everything in this world passes away. So nothing but Jesus could be my hope, because he's the only thing that is constant and eternal. I finally realized after walking with Jesus for over 30 years that he didn't owe me anything, and what he had already given me was really the only thing I ever needed. I realized that he didn't owe me a baby, or a sibling for my daughter, or a wonderful husband, or an eternity with him. He didn't owe me anything, but he had already given me everything by giving me himself. When I was three years old and accepted Christ as my Savior, he really gave me everything I could ever truly want or need. He gave me eternity with him. And it wasn't until I was 32, facing what felt like the bedrock of my hopes and dreams, that I realized he had already done for me the greatest thing imaginable by giving me Jesus. Friends, I want you to hear my heart and I hope that you can hear the shakiness of my voice. I see you and I hear you and I know you because chances are I have been right where you are. God knows the deep desires that bubble up inside of you, and perhaps they are even desires that he himself has placed there. He knows them, and he loves you. Jesus is with you in your suffering, and he is present in your rejoicing. God is faithful, and he is true. He is constant and steadfast and mighty to save. He is good beyond our wildest imagination. 
but his goodness does not mean that he is obligated to give you everything that you decide is good. He's the author of good, and every perfect gift comes from him. So there's a point where I believe we have to trust that if the thing we deem as good isn't coming from him, then maybe it isn't the good he has planned for our lives. Maybe, just maybe, the good he has planned for your life is something you've never even imagined yet. Y'all, I have so much more to share with you on this topic and we'll continue this conversation by discussing pregnancy loss and the journey of that healing in a couple of weeks. But today I want to leave you with a few verses of one of my favorite psalms. And as I read it over you, I pray that you will remember, or maybe even receive for the first time, the truth that God knows everything about you, and that above all else, He is for you. Psalm 139 You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Dear friends, he is with us, and he is for us. So no matter what seems to find us today, we can trust in Jesus. And find the strength to say, it is well. Because even though it may not seem like it, it really is well when we are walking with him. It has been an honor to share some more of my story with you today. I want to thank you in advance for carrying this tender piece of my story with dignity and grace. We have so much to unearth together and I'm grateful to be on this journey with you. I hope you'll make plans to join me again in a couple of weeks for part two of Healing Well as we continue to dive into the well that God is for us 
and the wellness that God has for us. I'm so glad you were here today, and I can't wait to chat with you again. I'll talk to you soon.